0: Oh, it's a lonesome away
1: from your kindred.
0: And Hello, and welcome to this episode, episode number four of the Aussie Pinball Podcast. So this episode, we'll be chatting with one Jimmy Nails, who most Australians know as one of the owners and organizers of Netherworld in Brisbane and also one of the driving forces, along with his team of Australia's largest pinball tournament series, otherwise known as the Brisbane Masters. We'll chat about what it's like to set up the largest pinball bar in Australia, how we go about organising the largest tournament in Australia, and also Jimmy's taste in music and Australian movies. I hope you enjoy it. And in the background, we're serenaded in by one Slim Dusty with the infamous Pub With No Beer, a song that was released in 1946, can you believe it? Who says my taste in music is old? we get some more modern stuff from Jimmy very soon. And a reminder, all feedback on the show is welcome. Feel free to email me. Aussie Pinball Podcast at Gmail.com. On with the show.
1: He waits, but
0: the boss is inside, drinking wine with his mates. He hurries for cover and he cringes in fear. It's no place for a dog round a pub with no beer. And joining us this episode is the infamous, can I say infamous, Jimmy Nails from netherworld in brisbane fame but also famous for such things as the brisbane masters pinball tournament jimmy how's life hello
1: mate how you doing
0: very good, good. how long's the brisbane masters been going for i remember going to an old bowls club somewhere many many years ago
1: we've had a few so the first i think from memory was 2013 peter watt won when we were at uh, archive brewery in west end we've had i think five different venues over the course of the tournament so far because it just keeps getting bigger and bigger yeah we went to what was the toong bowls was one of the other ones we ended up at toong bowls yeah we we ended up we ended up running the the aac like the australian champs there as well i think that year Uh, that was a good venue that was the food was awesome the beers were good Heaps of parking. But, yeah, sorry, it was 2015. So Peter Watt won 15. Who beat, he beat Russell Dagger in a very dramatic, very exciting final. Yeah, that final against Russell Dagger was pretty exciting. So Russell, they were playing a best of three, I think, and they were on KISS. Russell Dagger was a couple of million behind Peter on ball three, player two. He was in a multi-ball and he probably needed to hit one ramp to win. He had two balls left. He hit them both up the middle ramp. The balls got stuck together in the ramp and then <laughs> double-drained down the middle, and he didn't get it in bonus. <laughs> oh, sorry, Rusty. That was too good.
0: ending I ever saw was a live stream on Twitch a few years ago. Someone was playing a head-to-head match on evil Knievel and player two had to yep. do a massive comeback on ball three to get his score yeah. and he passed it, threw his hands up in the air, ran around the room like a crazy man, screaming at everyone, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And player one just looked at him and smiled and went up and plunged ball number four.
1: Oh, <laughs> no. He, he, he ball five. <laughs> no that is pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) dramatic
0: we love dramatic endings
1: yeah mate they're the best so tell me
0: about young jimmy where did you grow up
1: i grew up in melbourne so i'm a melbourne boy through and through but i moved to brisbane i think eight years ago now but yeah grew up in melbourne in the deep southeast on the infamous frankston line uh if you've been on the frankston line you know you know what it's all about
0: <laughs> not the place to go at night no
1: definitely don't uh, yeah pretty pretty fun traveling that in my teenage years but um uh, yeah, lived there. Did a lot of traveling in my early twenties, and then ended up back uh, after London. Ended up back in Melbourne with my wife Beck, and then we did five years. I was living. We were living in St Kilda, but working on the on the north side around Northcote and Brunswick. And that's when pinball kind of became life around that that period.
0: Okay, what year was that?
1: Uh, well, there's the Norbert Snices infamous uh, ACDC Australian Championships was late 2012, and that's when I became. Obsessed with the the idea of competitive pinball, so started the Peacock All-Stars Pinball Club shortly after, around the same time Gavin was starting the Surfers Club up here. I think Gavin was ahead of me by a bit, but, yeah, we started the Peacock All-Stars Pinball Club there, and that went... That went pretty strong. Uh, Lots of people that were at those first tournaments are still in the scene now, like Stu and and Johnny Crabtree and whatnot were all around. Andre were all there in those early years, 2013,
0: 2014. Where was that and why was it Peacock?
1: That was the pub I was managing at the time. We had a really good operator there. He was... uh, he operated machines all around the city, but he made all his money from chocolate machines and bloody lolly machines at bowling alleys. He didn't make anything from the pinballs, but he was extremely supportive of us. I'd, I ran the our first major there, which I think, I can't remember if we put 10 or 20 machines on the floor. I mean, he, he showed up with a truck full of pinball machines. He unloaded them for me. He put them on free play and he picked them up four days later and he didn't ask for a set. He just did it all out of the out of the goodness of his heart which was pretty incredible who was,
0: it? who was this mysterious man we got to give him some name credit
1: i was leo from cashbox so i wasn't sure i was going to remember that but he still operates in melbourne nice. not not part of or interested in the pinball scene at all because they make him no money but yeah i've never never forgotten him for taking that effort that same tournament also dan robar and eddie stevens rocked up with a uh in a van with i think maybe four or five pinballs jammed into the van and dan and eddie pulled the machines out they set them up played the tournament, helped me run the tournament, packed them up and drove back to Newcastle the same night. Wow. Yeah, so, they, they you know, the, what they were doing as well to help little green egg, little green pinball boys like me at the time. Like, I was so green at that tournament. I remember a ball sticking on an insert and I thought it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. And I went and grabbed Dan. I'm like, Dan, look at this. This is crazy. And he's just nudged the machine. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I was so green then, but Dan and Eddie were incredible and extremely supportive. So that went really well, and then just kept running majors. I think we did some pin golf after that, and some more some more big events at the Peacock. Then the uh, I was pretty obsessed with beer around that time, so that's when the 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 concept of netherworld sort of came about if someone's going to combine pinball and a and craft beer what would they do and then you google it and there's hundreds of bars just like that in the us so it was pretty easy to do some research on on what netherworld would become in the end
0: okay and for those who Uh, don't know netherworld's located in a particularly juicy part of brisbane called fortitude valley is juicy a good adjective for the area
1: that's perfect actually i'm going to use that that's the uh perfect adjective for the valley it is there is never a dull moment from like 24 hours a day, it is not a dull moment around it's there. It's an
0: amazing place. It's slowly evolving into a little more upmarket with, I don't know how they're doing yeah. it, but a lot of the old character places are closing down. She'll have a brand new luxury resort, and at the base of the luxury yeah. resort is one of the biggest sex shops in Brisbane. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. Near the world, the strip in- club across the road. Some yeah. interesting people on the street who will always say hello as you pass by yeah. them at 6am in the morning.
1: <laughs> Pretty wild. We, we nearly named Netherworld the Badlands because that little strip from from Netherworld down to the bank that we use, the Westback. it's probably the most colourful 100 metres in, in Brisbane. <laughs> nearly called it the Badlands because that's how we saw that little strip. But I love it. That we, yeah, we love the valley and love how weird and strange it is. And hopefully the high rises and, and the new stuff that's coming doesn't affect it too much and it does manage to keep its weird identity and its kind of edge, I guess.
0: That would be ideal. So you were managing pubs for a fair while Before you made the move, why the trek north to God's country, leaving that hole that is Melbourne? (laughs) Hey,
1: hey, 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 I still love Melbourne. Don't you dare. We have the ongoing
0: rivalry between Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah. So far, we've got one vote for Melbourne from Jesse, one vote for yeah. Sydney from yeah. Michael, and you're back in the Melbourne camp.
1: Jeez. Well, I don't know if I if, – am I allowed oh, to vote for Brisbane? Well, we
0: haven't had a vote for Brisbane yet, so – Jeez, I don't know.
1: I'll have to think about that as we go so on. The but um, Beck and I wanted to t- start trying to have kids, so and both both were keen to try and find new work adventures. We, the, we were looking at venues around Melbourne for a – for an arcade bar, but then the idea to move came up and I'd lived in Brisbane previously in the early 2000s. So I was pretty familiar with it and excited to come up her Beck's parents are extremely active in our lives and both retired. So they got plenty of time to um, help with Fox over the last five years. So and yeah, Brisbane. I, I worked as a I first worked managing a brewery in Tenerife, and then I was a beer rep for a couple of years, which gave me uh, an incredible insight into Brisbane because I my job was to drive around and go into bars and talk to bar owners. So for someone looking to open a bar in Brisbane, it, it couldn't have been a better job to pick up. So I got to know all the bar owners and get a good a good understanding of what was working and what wasn't working. But across that period. Brisbane just exploded with bars, with small bars. It it was it was insane the amount of bars that opened over the, that two-year period. Like there was there was weekends where three or four bars were opening every weekend. So it was very fun to be a part of as Brisbane kind of started to get its own little trendy identity and small bars became a thing, which I think check. Tech- Legally and due to liquor licensing, weren't very, weren't really possible prior to that. But luckily, there was a politician that went to Melbourne and saw the how much fun the kind of laneway small bar culture was, and tried to bring it into Brisbane, which I think worked pretty well. In some people overseas
0: may or may not remember the little incidents with politicians who travel. Which prime minister of Australia lost his pants overseas at a bar? Do you remember that?
1: Oh God! I (laughs) think it was Malcolm
0: Fraser. (laughs) <laughs> and then I have the, the lovely incident when I was living in Adelaide. The Lord Mayor of Adelaide went to a fact finding mission in the US to look at the, uh, the bar yep. culture there and unfortunately lost his mayoral chain somewhere and couldn't find it. And they had an official function coming up and he was very embarrassed until someone yep. showed him a picture of a US newspaper where Miss Texas who had just won the uh, pole dancing competition, was wearing the Meryl chain <laughs> during her routine. No way. <laughs> <And> luckily agreed <laughs> to send it back to him. So uh, our politicians doing fact-finding like missions are always full of entertainment. Sure
1: By the way, good afternoon and
0: welcome to the Do What You Feel Festival. By the way, this young lady is not my wife, but I am sleeping with her. I'm telling you this because I'm comfortable with my womanising. Yay! Yeah! <laughs> so did you start <laughs> the world on your own or did you have a partner?
1: No, I had a partner, so Everwise Benjamin Nichols, um, who was, he, Ben, Ben owns another bar in Milton called Scratch Bar, which was one of my good customers, and we just always had good chat there, and he got wind of what I was up to, and um, we kind of crossed paths at, through work and at events, and we would always talk about it. Ben was trying to start another, another project at that time, so... He just kind of wished me luck and then uh, about 12 months went by. I was out looking at venues with an investor and Ben Ben touched base and said he he was going to can the other project and wanted to chat about my one and see if our ideals and our ideas would align to work together. So yeah, we had a sit down at Scratch and we went through our, our both of our business plans. And what and, year was um, this? Uh, so this must have been 15 or 16, 2015 right. or 16. And yeah, like our, our business plans were word for word identical down to like the starting list of games that we wanted and the type of beer that we would want to do and the ethos behind it, like the idea that Netherworld had to be a, a good bar first before it was an arcade bar. So the, the other elements off the bar had to be taken extremely seriously. And I've, I've been in hospital my whole life, including doing cooking work when I was younger. So not wanting to short on anything and just. I guess resting on the laurels that we'll have games and that will be enough. Wanted to make sure that the venue would be enticing enough without the games, so to speak. So, and
0: for those who haven't been there, yeah. how many uh, beers on tap do you generally have?
1: Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name Ah, uh, we got... We've got twenty four taps, so that's a lot. That's a lot for Brisbane. One bank of eight is usually non alcoholic sodas and uh, like a ginger beer or a cider, and then the other sixteen are beer. And then maybe three of those are kind of semi permanent, and then all the others are rotating. So.
0: And what's the most unusual beer you've had on tap? Because I've seen some pretty unusual ones there.
1: Oh my god, oh mate, that's a that's a tough one. We are, we get we order some pretty wild beers. Like I had a sour I, farmhouse IPA on yesterday. which is like a super funky super yeasty ipa sour beer which was pretty wild and then you know all the barrel aged sours or barrel aged stouts and stuff are always pretty fun so
0: there's been a great cocktail list and a restaurant that caters equally for vegans as carnivores so it's a it's a pretty special place
1: yeah, that's right. And going back to the me and Ben sitting down together, Ben and I both had that meeting, and I I was too I, I was too shy to show Ben that I wanted to do vegan food. I kind of skipped over that page, and Ben did the same thing. And about six hours after our meeting, Ben gave me a call and said, um, "Look, man, I know things look pretty good, but I've there was one other thing I wasn't honest with you about. It's not a deal breaker, but I really want to do um, vegan food." And I just started laughing hysterically because I'm like, oh man, I, I want to do the exact same thing, but I was too too shy to say it. So once we realized that Brisbane probably wasn't big enough for two vegan arcade bars, that kind of cemented the deal for us. And we weren't sure Brisbane was going to be ready for the menu that we, we, we push forward, which is the food is vegan by default, and then you can add meat or dairy to most of the dishes. It's been very warmly embraced by Brisbane and the people that come through the venue. So... Lisa, if you don't want lamb chops, there's lots of other things I can make. Chicken breast. Rep roast. Hot dogs. No, I can't. I can't eat any of them. Wait, minute, wait, minute, wait, wait, wait. Lisa, honey, are you saying you're never going to eat any animal again? What about bacon? No. Ham?
0: No. Pork chop? Dad, those all come from the same animal.
1: Oh, yeah, right. He's a, a wonderful, magical animal. <laughs>
0: They're a great patronage, too. The people that come in, are just so interesting to talk to. You've got the normal pinball players. Yeah. You've got your board players. You've got your chess club.
1: Yeah, we got a chess club, the Valley Pit Vipers or something like that. So, yeah, we got that. We've got movie club on a Monday. And the, the movie club's so successful now that we hire out a cinema once a month as well. And that sells usually over 100 tickets. And Ben and Ben, who run the movie club, are actually creating their own movie festival this year. So that's kicked hard. And, you know, D&D once a month. There's chess club. There's uh, Ben's wife used to run a sewing club. Any idea we've come up with, we've kind of given it. Given it a go, and Brisbane, Brisbane just never fails to get behind whatever ridiculous idea we can Excellent. come up with.
0: And and how uh, many pinball machines yeah. are usually located there?
1: Uh, fourteen is our kind of limit. There's fourteen, and then another twenty to thirty arcade machines and around tell, the venue.
0: Tell me about maintenance. How do we go with the maintenance for all uh, those machines?
1: Yes. yes, yes. So we have. A full-time tech, Dave, uh, David James, arguably one of the best techs, techs on the planet. He works his his butt off at Netherworld. And the way it normally works is the managers or the bar staff write a report at the end of, at the end of each night, and Dave and I whip in in the morning and try and repair whatever's on that list. Which is there's no very few days that have ever gone by where there's nothing on the list for for things to be repaired. But it's also the you know Dave and I preparing new games to come onto the floor, buying new pinballs and setting them up to get. To be able to handle the the pace of the floor, you know, often buying a home use pinball that's had fifty to one hundred games per month and and it's lived a very happy life, but you put it on the floor in Netherworld where it's going to get three to five hundred games a week, and that's a whole another another ball game. So there's a lot a lot that goes wrong pretty fast usually with a game that's put on the floor, but it's the yeah it's a very good testing ground for new games and to see if they can to keep up, which works us works for us well because we. As you mentioned at the start, we also run uh, B Pack the Brisbane Masters, so it's good to know which games can handle the pace and the heat of an event like that or the or the floor at Netherworld.
0: What would you say with your morning visits with Dave is either yep. the most common fault and what's the best way to try to maintain machines to stop breakdowns? Oh my
1: uh, well, that's one thing that we've always talked about. Uh, Hugh, Hugh used to be a tech with us as well, but he's not there anymore. And one of the biggest things was just preventative maintenance. So trying to get in, and we keep a we try and keep a log of potentially, uh, or most especially flipper rebuilds and uh, plungers and links and coil stops, and getting in to look at them. And if if, if you've lost a mill or two on that on that plunger, to just replace it before before any uh, before a major breakdown on a Saturday night. So. Um, particularly Hugh we used to do it a lot. Like once a month he would just go through and, open, and and look at the plunges on every single flipper in the building and if it needed to be done, we would just do it in, instead of waiting for it to break, right. um,
0: trying to get ahead of it. So looking for mushrooming and loose coils. Yeah, ends. exactly,
1: like the wobbly stop ends or, yeah, exactly, or plungers that have lost that extra couple of mil and then obviously we, we do a lot of tournaments at netherworld and when that extra two or three mil or whatever it is on the end of a plunger disappears obviously the finer flipper skills disappear especially on a modern stern so running pinball club fortnightly and um the flip frenzies and whatnot and we have lambo and gino number one and two in australia at the bar a couple of times a week you want you want your players to be able to execute the those finer flipper skills so and i'm pretty Fussy about it as well, so. Why, uh...
0: And you have such a gentle touch when using. Those
1: boxes, <laughs> yes, such me. a gentle touch, which. Uh, yes, that's just how it goes. Which is, you know, it's a good example to to show the customers not to be afraid, and the machines are built for a bit of a.
0: And were you the first place to really regularly hold the flip frenzies? I mean, years ago, that wonderful Barb's making that. Yeah, software the software that, was, that uh... we
1: made, which yeah, got silly that we never monetized that, but it, but the. Um, the match play version works just as well and I've I've moved away from that. But yeah, we so this weekend was our fiftieth 50th- Saturday morning flip frenzy so that's that's a lot that's 10 a year that we've been running so I'm pretty sure we ran them from the kick the get-go of netherworld either probably from the first february or or march of netherworld kicking off early 2017 and then like I was amazed to find that we ran death by pinball in our very first year I'm surprised we were that um that prepared in a bar that was only 12 weeks old to run a 24-hour pinball tournament but we did it that ran recently, and you dropped by, Doctor, to say hello for a bit.
0: Couldn't do the 24 hours at my age, but did <laughs>
1: yeah. I reckon you could do it, mate. <laughs> no, I know I <laughs>
0: But we went to the last, took my Emily along to the last lit frenzy, and she managed to kick my butt again and come, come forth, forth overall. Yes. So she was happy with that. Yeah. And we always get about 30 there as a number. What's yeah, I like used to. Number? So I
1: used to do, I used to sell 40 tickets, and we, we did no finals uh, but the, sp- the stress with doing the 40 tickets was if a machine or two malfunctioned on the day, the wait time or the queue would blow out quite heavily. So this year, I or the last 12 months, I reined it back to 30 players so that we always had a spare machine or two in the bank. Because uh, when you're running a foot frenzy, the ratio that I've always worked on that Luke Marburg told me years ago was um, one machine per 2.6 people is the perfect ratio to have a short queue and short two to three minute queue times. Yeah, we moved to 30 players, which means Dave and I didn't have to stress so much about a machine going down, and also we used to bring in one or two extra games every Saturday morning. We dialed that back so we didn't have to bring in the extra game. If a machine went down, it wasn't too stressful, but now at the end of the three hours, we do a four-player, three-game match play final, which I really like because the more finals that you play and the more of those stressful, intense moments that you get yourself into as a pinball player, the better you're going to be at them, so... I like it. So it maxes out the TPG and, and just makes, most importantly, mine and Dave's morning a bit easier. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. No, it's, it's always a good Saturday morning. Yeah. Tell me more about Brisbane Masters. It managed over the years to yep. elevate itself to Stern Pro Circuit status. Sure it sure did.
1: Last year, oh, hang on, no, 2019, we hit Stern Pro Circuit status. So, yeah, we went from, I mean, 2015 was probably... 60 players 2017 was 80 players and then it just it's just gone on and on and on a, a, like that going up by probably 20 or 30 percent in numbers every year and then the big thing that happened so brisbane masters was kind of a standalone event for the first four years from 15 through to 18 but then because the events got bigger every year it's it's been up to me to go out and find a venue for the event year after year which is one of the hardest and most stressful things Is finding the venue and negotiating it. And in the process of that, we got offered to host the Brisbane Masters at the ECA, which is the Brisbane Royal Show. So the equivalent of that in Melbourne is the show. What would you say the equivalent is in the US, John? It's a state fair. Hey, Lisa, I dare you to drink the water. I'm not sure that is water. Chicken. <laughs> 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 <Quid> it, <Bart. laughs> Quit it. <laughs> 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 Bart, be quiet. Lisa, drink the water. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So the the Brisbane State Fair offered us a 400 square meter room up in the uh, horse stables at the back You're of right the. Next there. to the horse stables. <laughs> right in the horse stables, <laughs> uh, um, which was truly one of the best, wild, funnest events we've ever done. So.
0: And you couldn't smell any of the smelly male pinball players that you normally Yeah, because like all you, you could it.
1: smell was hay and horse <laughs> poo. But uh, there is a smell in here that is on our last for Uh, Well, So what happened then was we got offered, Brisbane was a standalone event, but the Echo goes for 10 days or two weekends. So they said, what are you going to do for the other 10 days? And then Jason Lambeau Lambert came up with the crazy idea to be like, we'll just run pinball tournaments for 10 days. It's going to be a piece of cake. So that's how kind of BPAC was birthed with Ecker offering us the 10 days. So I think there we managed to squeeze about 40 or 42 pinballs into that room and maybe 20 arcades down the middle. And we created a full showcase or a schedule. So the Australian Kongoff was an event that was being run at Netherworld that had kind of outgrown Netherworld, so it was a good opportunity to bounce that to a bigger venue. Lambo pushed into the calendar a classics event. John Tannehill pushed and created the Australian Arcade Championships to push to stretch the calendar out. And, yeah, we just did this ridiculous tournament in the middle of the horses and the cows and the pig races and the show bags and the monster trucks and everything at the fair. And yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get back to the Ecker again since then, which is a shame. I'd love to get back there one day, but we were very lucky, I think, to get in that one year.
0: Yeah, it was so good. That's a the first time it really became international. We had uh, Bo and Karen's come over. I we do. had Steve Ritchie come over. We yeah. had uh, the young whiz kids in Esha Lefkoff and Colin Urban. And uh, yeah. I think amongst those <laughs> two, pretty much all the prizes were returned to the US.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, I think we gave away. I think because I always keep a track. 2019, we gave away about eighteen thousand dollars in prize money. I would say Colin and Esher took over uh, probably 80% of that, I would say. <laughs> I don't know. I oh, know there was the arcade guys as well. But that, that funnily yeah. enough, that 2019, even the arcade tournaments were won by internationals. So the infamous Billy Mitchell won the Kong Off and Barra from New Zealand won the, A- the Australian Arcade Championship. So I think out of the, the 12 to 15 events of that weekend, Paul Jones was the only Australian to win an event.
0: It makes us all better players, experiencing yeah. what level we have to get to. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this year will be no different with visitors like Esher coming back and yep. Stephen Bowden. Um, yes, I'm so, you all Pop's over.
1: Thank you very much for your hard work in in getting or putting the invite out to Steve. So very excited to to have Steve over. Uh, and uh, and to uh, get the chance to compete against Escher again as well, I'm sure he's only gotten better since 2019, probably scarily so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Watching him on stream. So
1: yeah. tell me some more
0: about your tastes in the world. Oh, so geez. who's your favourite Aussie band or musician at the moment?
1: At the minute, I'm still listening to a lot of the presets, which are uh, electronic dance music. I think they're one of Australia's greatest ever exports that have ever existed.
0: Every ACDC fan just fainted.
1: <laughs> I know. Hey, hey. There's, you know, that was the 70s and 80s. This is the 2000s and the whatever this is called now. Also, I don't if you've seen my Facebook profile or my messenger logo, it's a giant fish guy sitting in a chair. It's been the same picture for like five or six years. And that's an Australian band called the Peep Temple, which um, they only put out two albums, but they're two of the best albums uh, you'll ever listen to. Very kind of Aussie. Uh, they kind of lean on and, and thinking back to Jesse Jay's podcast about that kind of Australian's affinity with with criminals and you look at movies like chopper and romper Stomper, our convict heritage and our love affair with criminals the peak temple sing a lot of songs from the perspective of kind of street hoods and aussie crims so it's um, yeah very fun music. Um, And they sing a lot about actually about men's mental health issues. And uh, yeah, it's a, they're incredible band. Very cool band.
0: Give oh, us yeah. your taste in your favourite Aussie movie.
1: Uh, there is so many good Australian crime films, but I'm going to throw back to the, I think it was the 70s. Let me check. But do you know much about like old exploitation films from the 70s?
0: Yes, Quentin Tarantino did a great special on that called Not Quite Hollywood, mm. where he traces the history yeah. of Aussie exploitation movies, yeah. everything from Patrick and Obwoods and how much inspiration he took for them. So the world has really stood up on them. Oh, I, got, I, got,
1: yeah, I, got back, I got into them a few years ago and, and went through a few of them and they're, they're they're pretty wild films, but particularly Wake in Fright, which is like the premise of that film is insane. It's a guy that goes to a town and he gets in a bar shout and it's a horror film. Like it's so ridiculous and it's so frightening, but it's uh, it's the most Yeah, I can't think of a more Australian horror film than someone that goes to a bar and gets in a shout with a bunch of guys and it turns and it somehow flipped to a horror film. It's genius. Absolutely love
0: it. In Northern Australia, there are five thousand square miles of sand, scrub, and searing heat. A desolate, primitive place that can take a man and destroy. Him. They call it the Outback Rated R. Yeah, and the cast Donald Pleasance is in it a great American actor. Chips Rafferty was a famous old-time Australian actor. Jack yep. Thompson, of course, yep. who's been in pretty much every Australian film, nearly as many as
1: John who who's also, is it? This is the film that's famous for the um, kangaroo shooting scene. So they put in actual footage of, and it's quite confronting, like really confronting. I watched it and I was, I got through, I was up to that point and I thought, oh, Beck will probably like this movie. I'll get, I'll see if she wants to watch it. And then we got to the roof shooting, and I'm like, "Oh, she would definitely not like this film. This is..." Uh-
0: if I look at the history, *Wake in Fright* is only is one of only two films ever to screen twice in the history of the Cannes Film Festival. Is that
1: right? There you go. And
0: Martin Scorsese was quoted as saying, "Wake in Fright" is a deeply, and I mean deeply, unsettling and disturbing movie. It
1: really is. <laughs> like honestly, it, it got me real bad. And just like the the premise is so simple, and the the police. He's so intimidating and he makes the scenes that he's in so tense. And I've I've met people like that in bars around Australia. So I, right. uh, yeah. I <laughs> Just could, turn uh, and walk away. <laughs> yeah. Smile and wave always. yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to revisit that one. Yeah. Um,
0: and what's your favourite Aussie holiday spot to get away to?
1: Uh, probably at the minute would be Hobart. Go down to Hobart and go to Mona and go to the market. Mona
0: rice. is amazing. So for the yeah. international audience, Mona stands for Museum of Modern and New Art. New art yeah. It's built into a limestone monolith yeah. <laughs> just off the off the shore that a multi-millionaire who made his money in gambling mm. built himself, uh, just carved into this rock. And it's no windows. You get totally lost in there. Yeah. And there's the commercial... Wonderment of seeing an entire wall of plastic cars of vaginas, yeah. all the way through a machine that makes poo. poo and you and poo can poo smell machine, that yeah. room from yeah. a mile away yeah. to, a, to an overinflated Porsche, but they have uh, but that's, some of the most amazing art yeah. when you go in there.
1: That whole experience, like Hobart itself is a gorgeous city, but the experience of getting the ferry and going past, I think there's all like an old aluminium factory or there's this huge industrial precinct that you kind of go past in the ferry and then you're just kind of at this island or this rock and you kind of go into a i don't know essentially a hole in the side of the thing and then you're into this unbelievable museum absolutely incredible experience yeah it's Um,
0: part of the everyone should see and then do the Port Arthur Penal Colony Tour. Yeah, I haven't done that, became. actually. Yeah. It's great. The night tour of that, uh, yeah, right. where they talk about the ghosts of the prisoners, mm. is, is horrifying. Mm. Do that just after you watch Wake in Friday again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but also, I want to give a shout out to Melbourne, too. I think Melbourne's one of the best cities in the world. I, I can't, I'm going back down in a, in a few weeks, and I can't wait to get back down there.
0: Okay, so Uh, we've covered the nightlife, the food, the footy. What else is good
1: in Melbourne? Oh, coffee. The city itself is beautiful. I just love walking around the city, go to the old pubs and uh, the amazing cocktail bars, incredible food. When I first moved to Brisbane, you're like, oh, I love Melbourne. Like, it's so cool having all of the seasons. And then you live in Brisbane and and you wake up to sunshine 340 days of the year and you're like, wow, this is pretty great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Melbourne's notorious for the weather. And uh, tell me, what pinball game do you know of that you're dying to play but you haven't had a chance
1: yet? The one I'm obsessed with and I can't manage to get my hands on one is a um, Strange Worlds EM pinball. So not many pinball machines... I love EMs and I love getting them for the bar. Not many have a kind of guess, sci-fi or fantasy or monster kind of theme that would suit Netherworld. Like I love – we do buy – we do get any sort of pinball but or arcade, but – I, we love having games that are on theme with the bar which is anything that's kind of monstery or pop culture or uh, especially horror themes so yeah so on the back glass it's got these kind of purple one-eyed monsters and uh, it's for it's for for the era it's one of the strangest and most gorgeous pieces of art on a on a gotley and yeah man there um, there i've twice this year or twice in the last 12 months i've won one of these at auction but we didn't hit the reserve so it's been a it's been an emotional time trying to get my hands on one. I've got a Centigrade 37 on the floor.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. Love playing that. I, I love an easy trap on the right flipper as it rolls up the lane guide and out. I've got an, Thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> I've,
1: got a, uh, I've got an Abracadabra that's being shopped at the minute that will be on the floor soon. Uh, well, At the very least, you'll see it at pack. An Abracadabra is kind of on theme. It's got a big giant purple wizard in the middle and really nice artwork. The other EM I have is High Hand, but that's not... That is card-themed. The reason I bought the high hand is because when I first moved to Brisbane, it was the very first pinball machine that I played. And when it went up for sale, I grabbed that particular one. But, yeah, strange world. anyone listening to this down the line wants to... Me off one of these bad boys. I would be.
0: It's the the game of the, the game de jour in my games room at the moment. I just picked up a stars, and uh, my wife oh, just beats me so every time, <laughs> oh, and really? lets me know and talks about it, and in, even invites people yeah. in now to play pinball so they can watch her play stars <laughs> and beat me. It is so. It's
1: uh, such a good game. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. That that era of you know meteor and trident stars. Oh man, it's such an incredible little pocket of machines. Yeah.
0: Good days, good yeah. days. Yeah. All right. Anything else yeah. you want to talk about as far as things coming up? Um,
1: no, just B. Obviously, if if you if you don't know what B pack is or you haven't got your tickets yet, please do. So 2019, we got to 157 players, I think. So I'm I'm very hopeful we can get to 200 players for Brisbane Masters this year, which I think we're on track for it.
0: Can you give people the links? What do they need to look up?
1: So the the website is just bnepac.org dot org, or if you just Google Bpac or Brisbane Masters, it'll come up. Of there's a thread on Pinside and a thread on AA. Ticket sales are really strong this year. There's over a hundred people for pretty much every event. Esh is coming. Jess and Rob are coming from Florida, which is really exciting. They're here for the duration. So give
0: Double Danger a plug they'll be bringing over. Yeah, Merge. double danger
1: and soft plunge. They're actually I think they've got a link on their store now where you can order stuff and just pick it up at BPAC, nice. uh which is cool. They're also sponsoring, so we have a lot of sponsors for Bpack too. So they without the sponsors the event the event would run on a on a on an oil ray. but because we have the sponsors like Hutchinson Builders and AMD and Netherworld Coastal
0: Oral um, and Facial Surgery. Coastal Oral and
1: Facial <laughs> Surgery, train, <right>? so, <laughs> Well, it's really, like, the list is really long. Like, I I can't even list them all. There's so many. Thank you to each and every one of them. That all kind of just boosts the prize money and just helps us get things along and, and make sure we're trying to, we're brewing our own beer again. So we've got a beer can designed. So we have our own beer. This year, we're going to have our own proper full kitchen and uh, pizza oven out the back. So you won't have to go inside to order food. We've got our own beer garden. But I don't want to go home. I'm not done talking to me. Just get out this door, Rummy,
0: and you're the city's problem. If you make it through tonight, you're welcome back.
1: Our own smoking area. We're going to have some extra, try and jazz the place up a little bit more this year with some some stuff hanging from the roof and um, have a real good time. So can't wait to get in there and start bumping in. Honestly, Dave and I will probably start bumping in like in the next couple of weeks to be honest Um, because it takes you know 100 games 60 pinballs and 40 arcades Mm. so it's a lot but the venue there is so incredible brew dog brew dog australia so there they'll make some room for us and dave and i can just start piling games into a corner pretty soon
0: great i'm looking Uh, forward to it i've taken 10 days off work we're going to be there every day so i'm really looking forward to it all right jimmy thank you very much for spending this time for a chat and i'll catch up with you very soon up in netherworld again
1: Thank you, mate. Good luck with the podcast, Matt. I've listened to the first uh, the one with Jesse, and they sound great. Thanks, sound awesome. thanks for that. Good stuff,
0: see ya. man. Oh, see ya. And that's it for this week's episode of the Aussie Pinball Podcast. I want to say thanks to Jimmy again for joining me and hearing all about Netherworld and the Brisbane Masters. I'll leave you with a little bit of of the presets singing the girl in the sea so get your favorite drugs on board and look up the film clip for this song it's rather fantastic again any feedback is welcome aussie pinball podcast at gmail.com and i'll chat with you all again in a couple of weeks time that's it from dr john